AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 99 of AFF On Air. It's the 25th of March 2023 and yes, we are back after a much needed break. In this episode, I'll chat to Tim Jordan, the CEO of Australia's brand new budget airline Bonza that began operating flights just under two months ago. Also coming up, Qantas has launched a brand new double status credits offer which is running until next Tuesday. And how to be notified when airlines release frequent flyer reward seats. But first, let's begin with a roundup of some of the Australian airline travel and loyalty program news that you might have missed from the year so far. And firstly, the UK's second largest airline, Virgin Atlantic, has joined the SkyTeam Alliance at the start of this month. It brings the total number of active SkyTeam member airlines back to 19 after Aeroflot was suspended last year. Virgin Atlantic Flying Club members can now earn and redeem Virgin points across the entire SkyTeam Alliance, although uh, redemptions on ETA Airways and China Eastern are still coming, and receive reciprocal status benefits when flying with other SkyTeam member airlines. Now, this opens up some interesting opportunities for Australians because Australian uh, American Express membership rewards members can transfer their points into Virgin Atlantic Flying Club and now redeem those across most of the SkyTeam Alliance. Virgin Atlantic also sells points, and it's even offering up to 70% bonus points when you buy them this month, although to buy Virgin points, you do already need to have at least one point in your account. Qantas Frequent Flyer has expanded its partnership with Taiwan-based China Airlines, which is another SkyTeam member. Qantas Frequent Flyer members can now redeem their points across the entire China Airlines network, rather than just on flights between Australia and Taipei, which was previously the case. And that's good news for people who want to use their Qantas points to travel not only to Asia, but also to some destinations in Europe or North America, because China Airlines has quite good award availability, um, not only in economy, but also in premium economy and business class, which is now accessible using Qantas points. Emirates will shortly resume daily Airbus A380 flights from Sydney to Christchurch, a route that it's suspended since the start of the pandemic. Not only does this mean you can now once again fly in Emirates first class and have a shower across the Tasman, uh, but the Sydney to Christchurch route will also now feature Emirates premium economy. From next week, Emirates is also resuming flights between Melbourne and Singapore. And across the coming months, Emirates is increasing the number of flights it's operating from Sydney and Brisbane direct to Dubai. Virgin Australia is currently offering a status match to Virgin Australia Business Flyer members who currently hold an equivalent status tier with Qantas or another airline that is not a partner of Virgin Australia. To be eligible for the status match, you would need to be an employee or contractor of a business that joins Virgin Australia Business Flyer by the 31st of March, which is next Friday. And after joining Virgin Australia Business Flyer, which is free, you can then apply for the status match by sending an email to businessflyer at virginaustralia.com. Uh, and you need to do this by next Friday. You can find more information about how this works and what you need to include in that email in our article, which is linked in the episode notes for this podcast. 
Qantas has set up a dedicated team to try to solve the issue of classic flight reward bookings, particularly those involving travel on partner airlines, not getting ticketed and therefore getting cancelled. Many Qantas frequent flyer members have complained over the past year or two that their reward flight bookings uh, were not being ticketed on time, resulting in the partner airlines auto-cancelling their flights and then the flights dropping off from their bookings. This was also affecting customers who had already made confirmed bookings which had already been ticketed um, following schedule changes. Um, In these cases where Qantas needed to reissue the ticket following the schedule change but failed to do so by the ticketing deadline for the partner airline. Uh, It's quite complicated and it's uh, something that's not not particularly easy for Qantas to fix, but they are now trying. A dedicated team is actively monitoring Qantas award bookings now for changes that might require a a ticket to be reissued. And Qantas has set up an email address where customers can get in touch for assistance if they have an affected booking. And that email address is rewardticketingescalations at qantas.com.au. The Etihad Guest Program has updated its award charts, making the program on one hand a lot more simple, but at the same time, unfortunately, removing many of the sweet spots, um, particularly for redemptions on certain partner airlines that made it such an attractive frequent flyer program in the first place. Etihad Guest now just has two award charts instead of over 20. Um, There's just one single distance-based award chart for redemptions on Etihad Airways flights and another which covers redemptions on all partner airlines. The new sweet spot for Etihad Guest redemptions seems to be short-haul business class bookings on partner airlines, which cost only 10,000 Etihad Guest miles plus taxes on routes that are under 500 miles in distance. And that includes routes like Sydney to Melbourne on Virgin Australia, which is one of Etihad's partner airlines. Plaza Premium has opened a brand new lounge in the international departures area of Adelaide Airport. At this stage, the Adelaide Plaza Premium Lounge is open daily from 7.30am until midday, except on Mondays and Thursdays when it closes an hour later. This means the lounge is now open for the morning bank of international departures from Adelaide, including flights on Singapore Airlines, Malaysia Airlines, Air New Zealand and Fiji Airways. Access to this lounge is available to the frequent flyers and business class passengers of some of the airlines flying out of Adelaide, as well as to American Express Platinum cardholders. And if you don't qualify on one of those measures, you can also purchase access to the lounge. Speaking of airport lounges, Qantas has announced upgrades to six more of its airport lounges, and that's in addition to the construction of a new Adelaide domestic business lounge and a new international lounge in Auckland later this year. Over the coming years, Qantas has committed to upgrading its international business lounges in Sydney and Melbourne, something that um, most frequent flyers would agree is long overdue, as well as expanding the Qantas clubs in Hobart and Broome. And it will build a new first-class lounge at London Heathrow in time for the Project Sunrise flights in 2025. Qantas also plans to reopen its Hong Kong lounge, and that news came as a surprise to many since Qantas had announced during the pandemic that it would permanently close its lounge in Hong Kong. But since Qantas relaunched flights from Sydney to Hong Kong at the end of January this year, demand has surpassed expectations. In fact, demand is now so high to Hong Kong that Qantas will be running an Airbus A380 on the Sydney to Hong Kong route over the next few months until it restarts Melbourne-Hong Kong flights in late June. 
Singapore Airlines has quietly introduced a service fee for new Chris Flyer Star Alliance Round the World Award bookings. Uh, the fee will be $250 US per ticket, which works out to be around $370 Australian dollars. And there's no way to avoid paying that fee when you book one of these because these bookings cannot be made online. Members of the City Rewards, Diners Club Rewards, Suncorp Rewards and Card Services Rewards credit card programs can unfortunately no longer transfer their points into Emirates Skywards. These programs will remove that option in January. Croatia is now part of Europe's Schengen area, having joined on the 1st of January this year. The Balkan nation has also just adopted the euro as its new currency, and the change means that you can now travel freely between Croatia and the other 26 Schengen area countries in Europe without border checks or the need to clear passport control. The Qatari government has introduced a new requirement for international visits to Qatar to purchase travel insurance from their list of approved providers. Unfortunately, Australian and most other international travel insurance policies do not qualify for this requirement. The insurance must be purchased from a list of specific providers that are all based in Qatar or the Gulf region, and the cost is around 20 Australian dollars for 30 days. This requirement does also apply to passengers even just stopping over in Doha for a couple of days, but it does not apply to passengers that are just transiting through Doha and not leaving the airport. And you've got just under a week left to take advantage of Velocity Frequent Flyers' exclusive benefit offer when applying for a new Velocity co-brand credit card. If you register for your choice of benefit and apply for an eligible card which has an annual fee by the 31st of March this year, that's next Friday, then in addition to the usual sign-up bonus points you'll get with your card, you'll also receive the option of 30,000 extra Velocity points, 250 Virgin Australia status credits, or a $200 Coles gift voucher. Well, that's all all the news for now. Don't forget that you can stay up to date with all of the latest news, including in between podcasts from australianfrequentflyer.com.au by following Australian Frequent Flyer on Facebook or by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday. Tim Jordan is the CEO of Bonza, a startup budget airline based on the Sunshine Coast that recently launched flights in Australia. The last time Tim joined me on the AFF On Air podcast was in episode 72 back in October of 2021, shortly after Bonza announced its plans to the world. Since then, the team of Bonza legends, that's what this proudly Aussie airline calls its staff, has been working hard on getting the airline up and running. Bonza first revealed the routes it initially planned to fly back in February last year, but it would be almost a year later that Bonza's inaugural flight took off with passengers from the Sunshine Coast to the Whitsunday Coast on the 31st of January this year. Since then, Bonza has been gradually ramping up its operations, and to tell me all about it, I'm joined again on today's podcast by the CEO of Bonza, Tim Jordan. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Matt. So it's been almost two months since that inaugural flight, and during that time, as you know, I did fly with Bonza, and I really enjoyed the flight. From my perspective, it was a fun and a well-run airline with great staff. Obviously, it's still early days, but how is it all going from your perspective? It is absolutely early days, but it's going very positively. The reception that we have received where we are currently operating, which is on six markets, six destinations, has been incredibly um, warm. Um, The market is being very um, 
it's very encouraging, um, somewhat humbling in terms of the reception that we're getting in locations. And long may it continue. We are over the next week or two actually doubling our network. Um, so uh, we're actually adding another six markets um, just next week and uh, three new destinations next week to add to the six. So um, we've got a, um, if you like, a significant um, growth spurt, which is coming up, which is good. We have started over the previous um, couple of months very gradually, making sure that we do things in a very, um, very methodical and appropriate manner. And we will continue to do so. But um, yeah, things are about to get very busy and there's going to be more purple in uh, Australian skies very, very soon. Oh, that's great. What have your most popular routes been so far? I guess markets from the Sunshine Coast. It's a it's it's a market which has been largely overlooked. You know, you were you were absolutely fine if you wanted to go to Sydney or Melbourne, um, but if you wanted to go anywhere else from uh, the Sunshine Coast, you were pretty much stuck with a drive to uh, to, to Brisbane. So um, those markets have been very well received. So whether flying north, you know, whether that's up to, to Townsville or up to the wonderful Whitsundays, or in fact, more recently, uh, you know, a recently added route down to Avalon has uh, been very well received as well. Um, so um, each of the markets have been well received. Uh, and as I say, we're, we're, we're six into the initial 27. So we've still got some way to go to get to the first uh, the first 27, and then we can cast our eyes over the horizon to see what comes next. Yeah, fair enough. I spent a bit of time in the Sunshine Coast and around Maroochydore before I took that Bonza flight last month. And one of the things I really noticed, which you kind of touched on, is that around Maroochydore, people knew about Bonza, not, and not just knew about Bonza, but they were excited about it. Many of them, when I mentioned I'd be flying on Bonza, were really uh, said they really wanted to know what I thought of it. And a few people actually gave me their cards and said, can you let me know how it was when you get to the other end? And a lot of people said they intended to fly with it. So you've obviously built up a lot of buzz around uh, the Sunshine Coast. How have you been able to do that? I, I guess um, to, be, to be fair, it's, uh, you know, we've been a long time coming. Um, you know, the, we went through uh, an appropriate regulatory process, um, but it was quite, and it was very thorough, appropriate, but it was in the end quite lengthy. And if you like, that just the duration of that has meant um, we've had a longer window of opportunity for uh, the community on the Sunshine Coast to, to get to know that we were coming. And very candidly, having, having one, two, three or four aircraft parked at day, um, opposite one of the key trunk thoroughfares on the Sunshine Coast. Um, there's there's some significant billboards each and every day that uh, many people drove past. So um, most people will have driven past those aircraft at some point over the past months. Um, pleased to say that uh, those aircraft are now uh, where they need to be and where they should be, which is flying in Australian skies. And I, I noticed that you, you had quite a few uh, quite successful publicity stunts last year, like, for example, the announcement that you're going to sell budgie smugglers on board. That got a lot of interesting headlines. Uh, they are indeed on, uh, for sale on your flights. I saw that in the, in the app that you could buy the budgie smugglers on board. Have you, sold, have you actually sold many of those? Um, I don't know the quantities, but the answer is yes. We, we certainly have oh, wow. uh, been, been selling them on board. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure of the volumes. Um, personally, I stick with a Saxby's ginger beer rather than uh, dipping into the uh, the budgie smugglers. But uh, yeah, uh, the PR and media reception that we've actually received across the country has been a very um, uh, exceptional, um, you know, and uh, small things which uh, I guess are brand building 
um, such as the naming of our aircraft. Um, I was a little surprised in terms of how well that was, inc- you know, how well that was received, but also um, just, you know, uh, many, many parts of the country um, acknowledged that what we were doing was a little bit different in Australian skies. And I guess the, the naming of the aircraft, Shazza, Baza, Sheila and Malk, um, most recently, just shows that we're doing something a little bit differently. And uh, yeah, I, I think that has aided our brand awareness across the country, for sure. Mm. I did want to ask you about the the fourth aircraft you received, which was named Malk. I understand that that was named after a late Bonzer executive. Do you want to tell me a little bit about Malk? Yeah, Malk, um, we we um, had the honour of Malk, uh, Malcolm Hanley being part of our team, um, not for long enough, but Malk spearheaded our network operations, our operations control centre, and was incredibly well respected and loved by the team. And unfortunately, um, shortly after our first flight, Malk unfortunately succumbed to illness, and there was an absolute outpouring of the team just wanted, just felt it was appropriate. The best acknowledgement that we could make um, as a team was to name our in- incoming aircraft Malk. So um, absolutely, that's what we did. And uh, I have to say, I had uh, Malk came pretty close to where I am right now. Um, I haven't flown on Malk yet, but uh, Malk did did fly past where I am uh, when, he, when he was on the way back from Port Macquarie just the other day. And uh, so I did uh, tip my head to him uh, at that particular moment. So, uh, yeah, Malk will be, all of our aircraft are very special, but uh, Malk is very special and personal to each and every one of us. I really like that, uh, like the, 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 what you've done there. And like I think it speaks a lot about the company culture that you've managed to build at Bonza. Uh, and like like I said, one of the most noticeable things when I flew with Bonza was how enthusiastic the staff were and how they were all genuinely excited to be there and created such a positive environment. How have you been able to do that? I, I think from the outset, we've we've said that, you know, we're about the many, not the few. Um, there are, we're very lucky here in Australia. We've got some very, very good airlines, but they do um, generally, all of them, probably with one exception, have a general leaning towards the business traveller. We're quite happy to take um, business travellers if they um, happen to, uh, if our schedule works for them. However, we are about the many, we're about everybody. Um, and I think that resonates with our team. We're about the leisure traveller, the, probably the, the, your neighbour, um, your community, um, the people down the street who maybe have flown once or twice, but not regularly. We're about giving them the opportunity to fly to a place that maybe they haven't been to before, an aspirational destination, maybe get catching up with friends and family they haven't seen in a long time. And I think that really resonates with our team. And I think that probably is captured in the way that um, our team really uh, portray, you know, they want to be there, They whether it's, whether it's in the airport, um, on the ramp or in the cabin. Um, our team want to be there because they realise that they're actually delivering to everyday Australians, um, the many and not the few, something which is um, near and dear to all of us, which is being able to catch up with friends and relatives or to go explore in our wonderful big backyard. Mm. Is it true that you sometimes join the cabin crew serving snacks and drinks on board the flights? I heard a little rumour about that. I have received my necessary training. Um mm. I've yet to actually get in the cabin, um, but I'm primed and ready to do so. There is an element of me stepping back at the moment whilst we're going through the ramp up phase. 
the very last thing someone needs is someone annoying in the cabin, maybe asking too many questions um, or getting things wrong. So at this moment in time, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a step back uh, and I tend to hide next to the window um, somewhere down the cabin and consume my Saxby's ginger beer. But yes, given given the nod from uh, our in-flight team, I will be jumping to my feet and I will be um, obviously, yeah, as long as I don't get in the way, um, hopefully um, interacting and, um, you know, um, being part of the service delivery on board. Yeah, I find it hard to imagine some of the other airline CEOs in Australia um, serving passengers in the aisle, drinks and snacks and things. So I, I really like that. Did you? So you did the cabin crew training? Um, I, I had an abridged, a very abridged version. Um, no, I would be a supplemental uh, crew uh, member, right. which would be um, yeah, with zero. Um, you know, I'm, I'm clearly I'm not signed off from a safety perspective. You won't see me doing the safety demonstration or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be purely from a uh, delivering uh, um, food and drinks and uh, snacks, etc., on board, as and when I'm entrusted with that uh, opportunity. I spoke to a few of your cabin crew who came from completely different backgrounds. Like one of them used to work at Subway. One of them was a hairdresser. There was, a, a I think, a nurse. Um, they've uh, they've um, taken the career jump and they've jumped on the opportunity to come and fly for Bonza. What was in, what's involved in uh, training someone from scratch to become a cabin crew member? It's about having the right attitude. Um, we, it's a five-week training course and it's the, the most important thing is making sure that um, there is the right attitude and that there is a lot. Um, every every um, training course um, I go to and uh, inflict myself on the uh, on the on the team for a couple of hours, just you know, just giving them the uh, unfortunate story of all things Bonza, but also just giving the opportunity for them to uh, ask anything and everything. And it's about having for them having the right attitude. And the one thing that, uh, you know, when asked, what do we need to bring to our customers? And it's it's about being empathetic. It's about understanding that not everybody who travels on an aircraft is, is traveling for a positive reason. You may be, you know, visiting sick relatives, you may be going to say goodbye, you may be going to a funeral. And if you can be empathetic to the customer in front of you and be able to read that, um, and it's not only cabin crew, that that relates to, um, you know, there's many other service industries that have that skill set and being able to read the customer to be able to try and anticipate. There are a lot of our crew also with fantastic life skills. So we have a great mix of team members, some very, very experienced crew members who have worked for um, international airlines, other other domestic airlines. And then, as you say, there are people who are brand new to the industry who just said, you know what, I've always wanted to do this. And my goodness, I can do this, you know, from where I live right now, whether that's in Melbourne, or on the uh, Sunshine Coast. And yeah, I think that mix of experience and fantastic attitude is really what you see in the cabin. And that's, um, as you say, it's, it is refreshing. I'm sure that you would have liked to start operations a little bit earlier than you did. I think originally the plan was for last year, and obviously there were a few hurdles along the way. What were the main challenges that you had to overcome? Um, The the process is um, thorough, as we would all expect it to be. Um, It's thorough and appropriate. I guess the additional hurdles that we um, put put upon ourselves, um, you know, the... We are the first new high-capacity AOC um, from start to a high-capacity AOC um, in Australia for 15 years. So the reference points 
how long did it take last time? There aren't that many. There really aren't. So there's an element of um, estimating how long it's going to take for a particular task. And uh, um, maybe there's a little bit of enthusiasm there. And uh, we maybe got that a little bit wrong in terms of the enthusiasm part, uh, maybe underestimating how long um, certain aspects of that would take. When you actually overlay also the fact that we were bringing in to Australia the MAX as the first domestic operator, um, that, of course, uh, especially with the two tragic incidents associated with the MAX previously, that, if you like, just is an extra element to that particular process, um, as you would fully expect. The third element is the regulator themselves. There were new regulations that were put in, in place in late 21, early 22. And we were the first carrier to go through that, that new regulatory process. So if you take those three elements, you know, first in 15 years, new, new um, variant of aircraft, new type, and of course, new regulatory process, that, if you like, just, just meant it did take longer than anticipated, but we're trying to make up for lost time right now. And obviously, uh, hopefully in 10 years from now, the, the fact that we were um, a, a few months late getting into the skies will be uh, long forgotten. Mm. You've launched uh, quite an ambitious route network so far with 27 routes, I believe, currently on sale. If some of these routes ultimately don't work out to be profitable um, within, you know, maybe within the first few months or the first year, would you consider redeploying those aircraft onto other routes? Or do you think you'd stick with them and try and stimulate more demand through through like really low fares and things like that? Yeah, uh, you know, the one of the advantages that our industry brings is our factories move. Um, you're not making a lifelong decision when you uh, build a factory in a particular location that it has to be there forever. So um, the aviation industry has this advantage, and I do believe that we don't take that advantage fully in the fact that we can redeploy capacity, we can move our factories um, as profitability dictates. So we are not naive enough to think that all of our routes, you know, 27 ticks in the box, 27 green ticks. That's not going to be the case. There will be some markets which don't work. We've said that from the very beginning, and we will absolutely be proven right. There will be other routes which actually do far better than anticipated as well, and we will be adding capacity to those. So that's just business as usual. Um, and changing your network and your schedule um, to take advantage of your opportunity, but to, to also, um, you know, where, where something isn't working, as long as you've given it sufficient time, and you know, if the, if it's not trending as you would like, yes, of course, you'd you'd make that change. Um, the good news is that twenty seven routes is the beginning, as far as we're concerned. We've got two aircraft bases. Well, that doesn't fulfil the the need and the obligation um, for servicing Australian markets um, in its entirety. So, um, but that continual change, that process of moving your factories, if you like, that's business as usual. And absolutely, we will be doing that. And we're not, as I say, um, not everything's going to work, whether it's onboard the aircraft or the route network, we'll be looking and learning from ourselves and trying to improve constantly. I'm not, not sure if you're able to share any specifics, but are you talking with any more airports sort of out west, in the west of the country? We're, uh, the, 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 the wonderful thing is, um, you know, once, once you actually put these beautiful purple aircraft into the skies and you, uh, um, you actually get fantastic um, media coverage um, as the first new high capacity airline, startup airline in Australia for 15 years, um, a number of airports that were maybe sitting, to, who took a step backwards 
have now taken a step forwards. So um, it's probably fair to say that there are, you know, there's comfortably more than 20 additional airports that have actually flagged to us their, their wish, their hope for bonds of service for their community moving forwards. So there is certainly opportunity um, out there. And yes, some of those are uh, are absolutely in the West. Yeah, given given the state of transcontinental fares on the other carriers, I know a few people have um, said it'd be great to have a service to Perth, but um, that's obviously something that you'll be working through over the next little while. I wanted to ask you about the fact that you can't book a Bonza ticket on the website and, uh, and that the flights don't come up on Google Flights or Webjet or some of the other aggregators. Uh, I'm just wondering, what's the reason for that? And are you a bit concerned that that, like, the fact that you need to book through the app, it might cost you some bookings because people might not be aware that Bonza exists or they maybe don't want to use an app? Um, I, it would be wrong of me to say that we wouldn't lose some bookings. Um, are they significant? Um, I would be surprised. Um, coming back to your earlier point, um, we're selling 27 markets. 25 of those markets are not operated by other airlines. So if you want to fly between the Sunshine Coast and Townsville nonstop, your option at the moment is Bonza. So um, there is an element of us probably being able to push the market towards our app a little bit more so than um, if we were in a market with you know four or five operators. So that is the same on 25 of 27 markets. So I think our positioning in the market of being able to um, to influence the market towards the app is actually probably more more powerful than otherwise would be the case if we were operating, as I say, on the major trunk markets. In terms of app adoption, it's been incredibly encouraging. Um, comfortably more than 95% of our bookings are coming through the app. Now, we do have a digital contact center, but as I say, more than 95, not 95% of our bookings are coming through the app. And the reception of the app um, has been, yeah, it, it's been incredibly positive. So will there be a small sliver of um, the community who perhaps just won't book with us because of the app? Um, yes, there will always be individuals uh, in the same way that, you know, there will be individuals who just don't want to fly. Um, so is it significant for us? I don't believe it's significant at this particular point. In terms of why we're doing that, we need to be able to communicate very effectively um, when things go wrong. Um, it's not the good times that are going to define us. It's actually the bad times. It's when things are running behind schedule, when we need to contact customers that um, is most important for us and very important for the customer. The app allows us to do that without going potentially through an intermediary. And we will have 100% confidence that we have communicated a schedule change or a change to um, somebody's travel plans. The other thing is very importantly, we are working with the, the travel community. We have had more than a thousand travel agents sign up with us and they are playing an important role. So if someone doesn't want to make a booking on the app, they certainly can go to their favorite travel agent because that travel agent most likely, if it happens to be, if they happen to be um, in one of our 17 locations, chances are they've signed up for the bonds to sell bonza. So you do have the ability as with an alternative to the app. And as I say, more than a thousand agents signed up. Um, absolute volumes are on the 
you know, are certainly on the lower end um, with 95% of bookings coming through the app, but it is still significant in terms of um, we are getting bookings through agents and we absolutely trust those agents to be able to communicate to customers if there is a schedule change because there's likely to be a personal relationship with those agents and the end consumer. And so um, with that, if you like that two-pronged strategy with an app first, but certainly travel agents playing an important role uh, on a community level, that two-pronged strategy seems to be resonating and working well for us at this particular moment. Okay. Do you know if um, Bonza has any plans to allow for through connections on one booking? Like, for example, if you're living in Port Macquarie and you wanted to get to Airlie Beach, uh, a through booking through uh, the Sunshine Coast might be quite appealing. Yeah, I, it, it is. Um, I've actually had a few people reach out to me directly um, building their own connections. Um, we haven't designed the network in that particular way, but clearly it's something we will be watching and if we believe there is an opportunity down the line, it's something we would maybe consider. Um, but we're a long way from um, from that particular point uh, at this moment. Um, I, I have to say that um, most of the time, I think from a customer self-connection perspective, from what I've heard, people are actually taking the opportunity to take a day or two in the Sunshine Coast before then heading heading uh, further further north. The other thing being is from a frequency perspective, our frequencies on many markets wouldn't lend itself to building self-connections anyway. Fair enough. Well, Tim Jordan, I wish you all the best with the ongoing uh, building up of Bonza and thanks so much for coming on the AFF on Air podcast again. Absolute pleasure and uh, thank you very much, Matt, for uh, having me on. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you may be interested to know that I also host eight webinars per year for AFF's sister website, Frequent Flyer Solutions. Each interactive hour-long online webinar covers a timely topic of interest to frequent flyers and anyone in Australia looking to travel better for less. The next webinar will be at 8pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time next Wednesday, the 29th of March 2023, and the webinar will be all about how to upgrade your flights. If you'd like to attend any Frequent Flyer Solutions webinar, you will need to register in advance. For more information, visit frequentflyer.com.au. While much to the excitement of many AFF members, Qantas released a brand new double status credits offer on Thursday. Qantas frequent flyers can also choose double points if they prefer, but I think it's fair to say that most frequent flyers, certainly those on AFF, are a lot more excited about the double status credits. Now, this offer is running from the from last Thursday until next Tuesday, which is the 28th of March, 2023. If you'd like to take advantage of this offer, you need to register in advance for either the double status credits or the double points. And then any Qantas flights that you book between the 23rd and the 28th of March for travel between the 29th of March and 28th February next year will earn either double points or double status credits, whichever one um, you've chosen. And you can book an unlimited number of Qantas operated and marketed flights as part of this offer. 
Now, this is really uh, um, an offer that a lot of AFF members look forward to because it makes it easier to upgrade to silver, gold, platinum, or platinum one status, or if you currently hold status with Qantas, then to renew it. And even though Qantas has been extending the status tiers of all of its frequent flyers over the last few years, that is only going to uh, happen up until July this year. So, if your current Qantas frequent flyer membership year ends after July this year, then you will need to have earned enough status credits from flying or from other means in order to um, to renew that. And one way you can earn, of course, extra status credits from your flights is by taking advantage of double status credits. If you don't aspire to earn Qantas frequent flyer status, perhaps you don't fly enough to earn a higher status tier, or or perhaps you already have lifetime platinum, uh, which I, I probably doesn't apply to that many people, but there are a few people out there, then then you don't really need the status credits. And in that case, you might prefer to choose the double points. But yeah, it's, it's really up to you and, and depends on your personal circumstances. One of the things that a lot of AFF members look for when there is a double status credits offer on is... Uh, which routes they can book in order to maximize the status credits they're earning um, for minimum cost. Now, as is often the case when there is a double status credit offer on, there aren't really any great Qantas sale fares on at the moment. Qantas doesn't usually um, offer double status credit at the same time as it offers particularly cheap fares. And if you think about it, it makes sense because the double status credit offer is designed to increase bookings and um, and it, a lot of people take advantage of this offer to book on double status credits, even though the flights are more expensive. Um, so it's it's quite interesting that Qantas is able to command a higher price just by offering <laughs> double status credits. And indeed, even in the first day that Qantas offered double status credits, I understand that the bookings increased significantly, um, even though there were no sale fares. Other than there's, there is an, econ- uh, an economy sale fare from Australia to Hong Kong, but it's still not particularly cheap. It's $979 return from Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane. So you're looking at paying more of a full price kind of uh, fare if you want to book something at the moment. But in um, the Australian Frequent Flyer article, Make the Most of Qantas's New Double Status Credits Offer, um, there is a list of some Qantas status uh, run ideas. The best one that I could find was from the Gold Coast to Auckland via Melbourne in business class. That fare would be $1,674 return. And with double status credits, it earns 560 status credits. So that's just under $3 a status credit. And by the way, if you are a member of Qantas Points Club or Qantas Points Club Plus, uh, which means you can earn status credits on Qantas marketed classic flight rewards, yes, you do earn double status credits on reward flights that you book during the promotional period if if you qualify to earn status credits on those. So that can also be a, a nice way to take advantage of this offer if you're if you're looking at booking any flights using points. Uh, There are a few other ideas, though. You can read about them on the AFF article. And in that article, there's also some links to AFF threads where you can discuss the double status credits offer and also a link to um, a thread where AFF members can discuss uh, and share their own status run ideas. So if you're interested, um, there's a link to that article in the episode notes. It's called Make the Most of Qantas's New Double Status Credits Offer. Have a read of that if you'd like to learn more. Well, during the break, we had a question on the AFF on air discussion thread from Marky B, who writes, Hi, Matt and others. I've just listened to the latest episode number 98, which was the last one that we released last year, and wonder how one hears about new award seats getting released. It's as if Matt and James and others are getting notified somehow. 
Um, well, thanks thanks very much for the question, Marky B. Now, James and I do often spot when airlines have released new award seats because we literally do this stuff for a living. Um, so uh, we it's not that we're getting notified, but um, but we, we do spend a lot of time doing uh, searches for award seats. Um, of course, with my job as the editor of AFF, and I also head up the award flight assist team, and James is um, regularly also looking for availability as part of his role at award flight assist. Like, we do... We do spend a lot of time on airline websites, and so we do, and and we we sort of get used to what uh, what to expect when um, when doing award searches. So if something unusual pops up, we do notice these things. Um, just simply due to the due to the sheer volume of award searches that we do. Uh, now there are a few other things though that I do, and that that you could also do if you would like to be notified of award seats becoming released. Now, if you're looking for award seats on a specific route or a specific flight, um, one thing you could do is set up award seat alerts on Expert Flyer, which is a paid subscription service. But I personally I pay for that, and I think it's quite worthwhile. Um, I, for example, I have a lot of award seat alerts set up on Expert Flyer on routes that um, that where availability is kind of hard to come by, or perhaps where the airline has uh, not been particularly generous in recent times. Um, just so that if they do decide to release um, award availability down the track, I'll get notified of that. Um, and I also use that for specific flights if I'm looking for an award seat on a specific flight or route on a you know on a particular date, for example. Now with a, with Expert Flyer you do have to set up alerts like on a per flight basis so you can't just say like search for seats across a route um, uh, um, uh, you know with one search but um, you can set multiple alerts and to give you an example a few weeks ago I received a bunch of award seat alerts from Expert Flyer for business class award availability on Hawaiian Airlines between Sydney and Honolulu and also Auckland and Honolulu Um, I set up a bunch of alerts on different dates a while ago because um, I noticed that Hawaiian wasn't releasing many seats. And, um, and then, yeah, I started getting a whole bunch of expert flyer alerts for different flights all around the same time. And um, that w- that sort of gave me a hint that something was up. And, of course, when I did a bit more searching, I found that Hawaiian Airlines had basically dumped a whole lot of award availability out there. Um, as I often do when... Um, when I do notice these new opportunities to redeem points, I did feature that Hawaiian Airlines award availability in the Gazette a couple of months ago. So if you haven't already, make sure that you do subscribe to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette, where I I feature a lot of those kinds of things. And um, I know this may sound obvious, but reading the AFF forum also helps. Um, People often post things that they've found on the forum. So it's a good idea to browse regularly. And if um, you just want to follow one thread, I'd suggest um, that if, if you have Qantas Frequent Flyer points that you're trying to use, subscribe to updates on the Qantas One World Award Planning thread. And I'll link to that in the episode notes as well. But it's a sticky thread in the Qantas Frequent Flyer forum uh, where people uh, post a lot of really good tips on uh, Qantas One World Award bookings, but also just availability on Qantas and One World Airlines uh, generally. There's also a few other third-party tools you can use other than Expert Flyer. I'm finding at the moment Seats.Aero to be really, really good for just getting an idea of what availability exists for travel over the coming months. There's also SeatSpy, um, which I've been enjoying using, and um, there's a bunch of other ones as well. Um, but those are two that I would uh, recommend having a look at. And I believe Point Hacks also sends out real-time reward seat alerts to their subscribers if they find that a whole bunch of reward seats become available all of a sudden. Um, and that gives you, if you hadn't already um, uh, been aware of that, it gives you a good chance to jump on that quickly before those seats are gone. 
So I hope that gives you a few suggestions. If you have another question for me that you'd like me to answer in a future episode, perhaps on a different topic, please feel free uh, also to post it in the AFF on-air discussion thread, which is on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum. And there's a link to this uh, thread in the episode notes for this podcast, which is also where you can find more information about anything discussed in today's episode. Finally, before I go today, I know many of you missed the podcast over the break, and I also miss doing it. I do enjoy doing these podcasts, as you can probably tell. Uh, The podcast is now back, but I do want to just flag that we might not be able to release a podcast every fortnight um, for the next little while, as we have done in the past. Um, The next episode will be our 100th episode, and it will be released in April, but uh, I'm not sure if it'll be in two or maybe three weeks, for example. So I just wanted to let you know about that, and I'll keep you updated going forward if there are any changes. But I just wanted to set our expectations up front that it might be a little bit more than two weeks until the next episode. Uh, the good news, though, is that you definitely won't have to wait for the next episode as long as you did for for this one. <laughs> Well, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Tim Jordan, and thank you for listening, and as well as uh, for your support. And um, I do appreciate all the messages that I received over the break as well. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a moment to review AFF On Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll see you next time with more news, tips, and tricks for Australian travellers. Until then, save travels.